Welcome to the Sharpway Show. I'm Larry Sharp. So happy to have you here this evening. I know I'm a little bit late, just a tad late, but it's a crazy day. I'm trying to do a lot of stuff, and I appreciate you guys still paying attention and showing up for my cool Monday Ask Me Anything, which I always try to give you whenever I possibly can when I'm not running around New York State. The issue today that I wanted to bring up is something similar that I brought up in the past. Similar but not exactly the same. And that is what's important. And what I'm hearing from the average person consistently again and again and again is prices, inflation. Now, most people who have been in the libertarian world, we've been talking about inflation forever, right? It's one of of our things that we talk about. But for the average American, inflation is not a thing they talk about often. We've almost become... And I'm just saying almost we become accustomed to just prices slowly go up as Americans. We just that's what happens. So inflation for most Americans has just been a thing that we deal with. As long as it's slow, it's fine. Not knowing that it doesn't have to always be that way, but that's what we've accepted as most Americans. The returns are always like, no. Inflation is bad. Don't do it. It's it's fiat currency and all pumping all the money out of the Fed and blah, 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 blah. I get it. I hear it all the time. But now it's fast. It's exploding. And the returns go, see, it's because all the money. It is because the money. It is. But it isn't just because the money. It's also because the resignation, because the not working, because the quitting, because the shortage of labor. Because all the things, there's a lot of stuff coming together that's making inflation a, a, a big problem. And it's not going to go away tomorrow. It's not going to go away in five minutes. It's not going to go away in a year. This is, this is not transient. This is not, you know, temporary. It's not what it is. A lot of this has happened, and it's a problem because how do you fix it? Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's okay. It's it's the Democrats' fault. That's the reason. I get that. People say it all the time. I get it. Here's the problem. What's the Republican plan? So if it's the Democrats' fault, what's the Republican plan? Well, others will go, well, it's the Republicans' fault. It's because Reagan started all this. Okay, it's the Republicans' fault. What's the Democrats' plan? Yeah, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is, right? Now it's clearly Democrats' fault. They're in trouble. But if it was, you know, years ago when Republicans were in charge, they would have said it's Republicans' fault. Doesn't matter, right? It's it's the fault of whoever's in charge right now. And it doesn't matter. To Pete's point, thank you, Pete, for pointing this out. Twenty-eight trillion nine hundred and eight billion seven hundred and fifty-six million six hundred and ninety-two thousand three hundred and eighty-six dollars and thirty-two cents. That's not all Biden's fault. That's not all Trump's fault. That's not all Obama's fault. And that's not all anybody's fault. That's all of their faults. right? That's every single one of their faults. Add them all up. Lots of people to blame here. However, we have to think about the most important piece. No one has a plan to fix it. If you look at most mainstream news, if if they're, they're either not talking about this and as an example, I watched a little bit. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I just couldn't. I didn't have the time or the stomach to watch a little bit of my mayor, de Blasio, 
New York City's mayor. I know. I, I accept your condolences. He actually did a press uh, conference today. And you think, well, of course, press conference today in New York City. It's going to be talking about pricing and business and, and, and labor shortages and everything. Nope. All about vaccines. The whole thing. Nothing else. That's going to save everything. Nothing else. And I thought, wait, wait, wait a minute. Isn't there something else you could be talking about? I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about that. That's great. People care about that. Please talk about that. That in addition to a whole lot of other things. No. Just that. My awesome governor. I'm joking, clearly. Kathy Hochul. What are you talking about? Vaccines. Okay. And the rest of the things? No, just that. This is a serious problem. Now, you might say, well, well wait a minute, Larry. Republicans are talking about, that, about things like, you know, um, uh, inflation now. Yep, that's true. Some Republicans are. That's true. And their answer is, Democrats bad? Well, yeah, that's true. But that doesn't mean that you're going to solve anything. I can yell Democrats bad, too. I can yell Republicans bad. This doesn't solve anything. And that's one of my biggest issues. What's driving me personally crazy is this this is what's affecting the average everyday American. And the, and here's the hardest part. Winter's coming. Yes, this is like Game of Thrones. Winter's coming. And as winter comes, what are, what are people talking about? COVID uptake. More COVID cases. Now, again, that's true. I'm not against you saying that. Please, it's true. There probably will be more COVID cases, probably more flu cases and all types of things. Right? It's the season. I get it. So you should talk about it. Okay. And heating oil? Isn't that kind of a thing? And like gas prices and travel prices when people want to go travel and see their friends and family during the holidays and like all of those things? Isn't that kind of something you should talk about also? Not just the one thing? It drives me crazy. So that's where my head is. And that's how I want to start off. I'm happy to take all your questions and comments. But my head is thinking that right now as I go through trying to think about what's important and, and what I see my leader, leadership, I'm doing air quotes, what my airship leadership is actually doing. They're not talking about what actually matters. So let me grab some of your comments if I can. Joe says, but Larry, what's on a six cents reduction in the value of my dollar? It's six more cents. Joe, you know, this is a good point. What if you could take a six cents hit in your dollar, but then stop inflation? Would you do it? If you could actually, you'd have to believe this. If you could actually, if you believed it and it could be done, I'm not sure it could be done. But if you could actually take a six cents hit in your dollar and it would end inflation for 100 years, I would take it happily. The amount of inflation that's hit us in, in the last hundred years, insane. I would happily take that if that's all I, like, that's it. Take my six cents, punch in the face, and then I get no inflation for hundred years. I will take that deal. But it's not that. You know, Joe, it's six cents now, then six cents two years from now, then 12 cents four years from now, and on and on it goes. So, yeah, so that's what this, the six cents may not be that bad. You keep going, it's horrible. Yes. Shelly says, I went somewhere for four hours and gas went up two cents while I was gone. Man, 
Shelly, toot while you were gone. You should have you should have packed your tank up. <laughs> you should have put some some cans in the back. Save some money. Absolutely. It's gonna be it's gonna come a time when people are gonna sell their cars. They're gonna sell their gas guzzles as they take the car. I just want the eight gallons of gas that's already in there. Let me siphon that out. You can have the car. They're gonna want the gas, but they're gonna want the car. Oh my god. Yes. Tim says, is it finally time where modern monetary theory implodes? You know, maybe. Tim, that's all I can hope. Um, so for the, some of you who don't know, uh, it's MMT is modern monetary theory. This is the idea that since the government is the is the monopoly on money, this is the concept. I did a show on this. If you guys can look, you can Google Larry Shop modern monetary theory. I did, I did a show on it maybe a year ago. I, I forgot how long ago I did it. But the concept is that since the government is the monopoly on making the money and that people will always want the money, the government can never go out of business and can never, you know, default. It's impossible. That's the logic behind it. I don't buy that, but some people do. And the problem, and the reason why I know that doesn't work is they always go, well, you know, you do it until inflation. But if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Oh, no, no, you can do whatever you want. Okay, great. So whatever I want, well, until inflation, in which case you can't do whatever you want. Ask anybody who supports MMT and say, great, can I do anything? Anything. Doesn't matter how much that you have. Okay, great. So I just keep going. Well, no, inflation. That's the problem. Second piece. When people talk about MMT, I go, great. If the government can just take the debt, I have a great idea. And they go, what? Every 10 years, the government should absorb all consumer debt. They go, what do you mean? Well, every 10 years, just absorb everyone's debt. Just take it all. And they go, what, what, what? Well, if you clear everyone's debt out every 10 years, we just go on buying sprees again and we would keep the economy going, right? So have the government absorb everybody's debt every 10 years and we could just keep buying stuff. And this, this, the faucet never runs out, right? So just do it every 10 years and we all just, we basically get a mulligan every 10 years. Let's keep, keep doing that. I have to be crazy, like limit everyone to say, I don't know, $10 million or something, right? You, you pick the number. It doesn't really matter. So we all get like $10 million to blow every 10 years. And then every 10 years, the government absorbs all of our debt. Don't go into debt more than $10 million, Tim. I know you might. Don't do it. The government will absorb it all. And we'll keep going. Of course, that's silly because MMT is silly. It doesn't work. If it did work, we should do that. Again, to be clear, it doesn't work. If it did, let's just do that. Could you imagine how happy every American would be if you had $10 million to blow every 10 years? It'd be amazing. Of course, Tim would probably spend 11 million, but I'm saying everybody else would just spend 10. The government absorbs your debt, off you go. So does it implode? Maybe. The problem is so many people believe in it. Who knows? And then the other problem is how do you go back from it, Tim? You've spent so much time saying this is the thing. How do you go back after that? It's tough. Shelley says, it's the government's fault. Yes. Yes. And for those of you who are saying the great resignation is a good thing, I actually agree. And this may sound crazy, but I do. I'm not anti-labor at all. Sometimes people think libertarians are anti-labor. On the contrary, not at all. I just want, I want labor to be run by the market. I think labor has every right to fight for the highest wages possible, to unionize, do whatever is appropriate, right? I just want the government involved in the unions, which they are. I don't want the government to decide what the rate is, which they do. But I do want, I think it's absolutely great for, for workers to go, nope, 
I'm not working unless you pay me this amount of money. Done. And then we change. The problem that's happening is because of the COVID lockdowns and because of everything else happening, it's happened too fast for the market to respond fast enough. And now there's so much problems, right? Should, should the minimum wage be, I don't know, 30 bucks an hour? Maybe, but it should be that way because the market dictates that and it moves appropriately to where people go, I'm not working unless you pay me 30 bucks an hour. In which is what happens over time, it begins to grow. We become accustomed to it. We react accordingly. Pricing begins to shift and adjust and labor has more power. I don't have a problem with that at all. That's not what's happening. To Shelley's, uh, to Shelley's point, the government steps in, makes an uneven playing field, sometimes for the corporations and right now for labor, and everything begins to shift. Now it's chaos. I don't want chaos. I want labor to be respected as much as I want industry to be respected. That's what I want. So you're correct. The, 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 the natural ebb and flow of wages should go up as labor decides, you know, we're not going to work for this. And one of the advantages you see now is truckers, right? And truckers should be getting paid a whole lot more. I used to be a trucker. So they should be. But it's a problem when government steps in and decides to regulate them as it does. If it didn't, imagine what truckers could not be charging now. Whatever owner operators can be charging whatever they want. But in some cases, they can't even go in California because you become an employee and now you go under some corporation versus saying, I'll take your stuff wherever you want. I used to charge you 100 bucks. Now it's 200 bucks. You charge you 10,000 bucks. Now it's 20,000. You want me to take it or not? And they go, Yeah, we need drivers. Take it. And all of a sudden, now truckers would have stronger labor uh, power right now, but they don't because they're caught underneath the government uh, a, a boot right now. So you're correct. Yes. David says demo publicans don't have a plan. David, let me walk down that road for a second. If I could. They don't need a plan. And it's our fault. Not necessarily yours and mine, but I mean ours as a culture. That's what I mean. Ours as a culture. It's our fault. As a general rule, people will communicate with you the way you train them to communicate with you. That's not a 100% rule. Some people are just jerks and will be jerks no matter what. But it's a good general rule. People will communicate with you the way you train them to. The government has trained us to just go, uh, okay, I'm scared of the other guy. So just point, you'll save me from the other guy and I'll vote for you. And that's what they've been doing. They haven't had to have a plan. You may hear me say this often. I've been talking about it a lot recently. If you look at around the year, 19, about 2000, the Al Gore, was pretty much the last time you saw someone with a detailed plan um, for the future. It's very rare you find that. Why? Because they beat up Al Gore's plan terribly in, in, in back and forth ads. So consultants now tell um, candidates, don't put out a detailed plan. Because if you do, then your opponent will now tear it apart. And he or she doesn't have to have a plan. And you're the only idiot having a plan. They're going to tear up your plan. Here's his entire campaign is going to be not that bad plan. And that's what happens. So most of the time, you don't see a detailed plan. There's one candidate who has a detailed plan on their website. You're looking at him. I'm not concerned. They want to tear my plan up? Let them. It's been up there for four years now. No one's tearing up my plans. Because then you have to have your own. That's the problem. So, yeah. All right. Democrats, Republicans plan, blame and spend. Ooh, I like that. Blame and spend. Oh, Joe, I'm stealing that. I might give you credit. 
Probably not. But I mean, I might. Well, probably not. Anyway, I'm going to use it. How about that? I'm going to use blend, blend, blame and spend. Might give it credit. Probably not. So, yes. Kirsten says, as moms everywhere would say, I don't care who started it. Just finish it. I'm with you. I don't care who did it. I'm totally with you. Yes, absolutely. All right. Shelly says Biden does math. Does he? I did. Well, I guess he does. Sam just say, see, 28.9 trillion equals zero. That's MMT math. That's that special math. See, when Sam was a teacher, they didn't teach that math when he was a teacher. That's why he doesn't get it. Sorry, Sam, you, 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 you too, too late. See, if you were in school now teaching, they'd have taught you Biden math. Debt equals zero, regardless of debt. That's how it works. Pete Clark's head just exploded, but that's fine. Yes, that's what he's saying. Absolutely. Yes. Shelly says, I'll see to partially the voters' fault, but the system's rigged. Valid point. Yes. Thanks to the bipartisan committee on elections. Valid point. Yes. Absolutely, Shelly. You're right. It is also the system, which I keep trying to break, right? I've been talking about this recently a lot. My my bro plan. If any of you have seen me talking about this, bro is an acronym for B-R-O. Yes, I'm back to acronyms. You guys know I'm like Mr. Acronym. I am. I spent time in the military. Anyone who's in the military knows 80,000 acronyms. So mine now is bro. B is ballot access. R is ranked choice voting. And O is open primaries. If we had those three things, that would seriously help to break the system. That's not the be-all, end-all. That isn't the only thing, but that would help tremendously, right? Because once you have uh, more ballot access, you will have more parties. Once you have more parties, you will have less back and forth fighting one against the other. And at that point, um, gerrymandering the uh, districts isn't as valuable because it isn't just a zero-sum game. Other people can move around, so it shifts in that one also. So that will help with ballot access. Ranked choice voting takes away the wasted vote fallacy and also means that you can't just be negative against everybody. There has to be some positive electioneering and some positive campaigning. So that would help too. And more voices being heard. And open primaries means you can be in the part that, that you decide is best for you, but you can also decide to once in a while cross party lines when you feel it's appropriate for any given local election. So yes, those three things will work very well. It's the bro plan. Come at me, bro. Ballot access, ranked choice voting, open primaries. So, yes. Dan says, no one has a plan, including including the citizenry. Dan, Dan also true. I think you're right. They they don't really have a plan. You're right. It's not like the citizens are all together going, and then and then we'll quit, and then this cool thing will happen. It's like the uh was it the underpants gnomes from South Park, right? Take underpants, profit. What's in the middle? So there's just quit, profit. What's in the middle? Yes, you're right. My question to those participating in the Great Resignation is, what's next after you say, take this job and shove it? I get why you want to do that, but if you tell Walmart to stick it, what plan do you have to get a better job than Walmart? Who has a plan? Um, I think it's a great question, Dan. And I think what's happening is, this is, this is the sad part. After 2008... The, the crash there, a new norm happened. It wasn't a good new norm in my view, but it was a new norm. And here's how I saw it in New York City. If you moved to the city prior to 2008, maybe you had one roommate. That was the thing. Maybe two. If you were lucky 
and you, you know, maybe before the, the, the crash dot com bubble, you could actually move to New York City and not have a roommate. That was a thing. You could actually live someplace and not have a roommate being young and coming to the city. Now it's not uncommon. Three, four, five roommates. That happened after 2008. They might say, Larry, I don't live in New York City. That's not me. Doesn't matter. The point is when you move into big cities, it's virtually impossible to actually live in a place if you're young and new to a city by yourself, unless your parents are super wealthy, then you can, if mom and dad are wealthy and they can pay you out your way, or you happen to have a family member who lives in New York city, fine. But if you don't any big city, you're having a roommate. There was a point where there were so many people having roommates that sometimes you would see in certain areas that were known to have younger people moving like a story where I live in Queens, where the list price would literally be half rent because the assumption was you'd have a roommate. They would list the half rent number. They would assume you're never going to play the full rent. You're not going to drop $3,000 for a one bedroom a month. You, you don't have it. So we, we market as 1500 So because we know you have a roommate. They might say a roommate in a one bedroom. Yeah, because one, one person gets the, the, bat, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the bedroom and one person gets the living room or they both get the living room and the bedroom becomes the office. Yeah. So that kind of thing happens in New York City, and I'm sure it's happening in other cities. What happens when you don't have a city? You go back home to mom or dad, and you live with mom or dad. That's becoming a more common thing. When I was a kid, you didn't go back home at, at 30, unless maybe you were divorced and you got in trouble because you got divorced. You had to, you had to move back in, you know, at home temporarily while you, you know, went through your divorce or something like that. You know, Tragedy would happen, maybe. That would happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't move back home to mom. That wasn't a thing when I was a, a youngster. Now it's common. That's a new norm. So what I think, Dan, is there's going to become a new norm. The new norm is somehow living a lifestyle where you don't have to have a big salary. Living a, living a lifestyle is just different, a different lifestyle. That's what I think is going to become the new norm because they don't actually have a plan. They don't. The UBI is going to be, is already happening in a way. You're seeing more and more of that. The uh, MMT, more and more of that. We're changing how we live, particularly the youth are. I'm not joking. I know more than one youngster who lives in New York City who has five roommates. More than I know more than one, five roommates. Six people living in one apartment. Yeah, that's a thing. So I, I, I don't think I have a plan. But when the norm changes, the norm changes. Yes. <laughs> Henry says, hey, Larry, I hate these media sites and how they're going to use this to track me. But if help, if it helps get your message out, I guess I'm linking comment, liking commenting. Ah, yes. Thank you, Henry. I do appreciate that. It does help. Go, thank you. Liking and commenting and clicking that subscribe button and clicking the notifications button, all that helps. Why? The more people who watch and move through this, the more we get past all the you know algorithms Yes, it does help. Thank you, Henry. You're the man. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yes, 100%. All right. Um, Shelly says I should have invested in pesos. That's actually funny. Yes, absolutely. Nicholas says, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the energy independent, weren't we energy independent a year ago? Now suddenly we care about OPEC again. Well, there's, a, there's an issue, Nicholas. People believe that what happens is America makes oil and gas and then Americans use it, right? That's what you would think. That's not true. What happens is America makes oil and gas, and whoever agrees to buy it, buys it. So literally, there's American-made energy that gets shipped overseas 
while we buy energy from overseas. That actually happens. So energy independent means we make enough energy to satisfy the country's needs. It doesn't mean we actually use it, if that makes any sense, right? So I have no idea how much we need. We need, I'm going to make it, I'm told you, we need eight gallons of energy, whatever that is, to run America. So now we produce eight gallons of energy. Well, we're energy independent. We make enough to run our country. Yeah, but we're shipping out four gallons every year. So we actually only make four gallons. We need another four coming in from someplace else because it just goes in the market. American energy doesn't go to Americans. American energy goes to the market. So yes and no. We still we were still bringing in OPEC oil even when we were energy, even when we had enough energy. That isn't the point. I wish it was. Now how it works. Uh, we don't have an America first energy policy. No, we do. It, we, it's the market. And whatever happens, happens. So I hope that's clear. Yes. <laughs> Pete says, is Andrew Cuomo considering a run for the New York State Attorney General's office? I heard that true. I think that's right. Yes, I think that's true. But I don't think he's going to. I mean, I guess he could. But would that be weird? He become the Attorney General again? Ah, he become Attorney General, hopes that Tish James wins, wins the governorship. Then he puts a hit piece out on her and makes her resign. That's next level petty. Like that's that's next level vindictive. If he did that, I'd be like, well done. Oh my God, well done. Imagine if he did that, Pete. He runs for AG, wins AG, Tish James becomes the governor, and then he says, oh, she harassed people and <laughs> makes her resign. That'd be amazing. So yes, anyway. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, Bernard says, but Larry, people keep voting for the same thing and not demanding real solutions. Yes. You could stop people if you're listening. You could stop. Maybe vote for some other guy who might be running for governor of New York. I'm just saying maybe some other guy who could, you know, maybe be running for governor. I'm just saying I don't know who would be doing that, but just maybe some guy could be doing that. You might want to vote for that guy. Could be. Lolly says, ha ha, I mean how I see it. It's like super rich person infusing the LP with large sums of fiat so we go blow for blow with the reps and dems. Let's do that. Hey, rich person, I'm sorry, super rich person who is watching this show, please infuse the LP with large sums of fiat. Yes. In fact, you could do that. By, thank you for bringing this up. You could actually, if you want to, you, you could literally sponsor the show if you want to. That's not that much. Or, or I mean, if if someone cares, there is a 20K money bomb going on over at LarrySharp.com. If you wanted to put infuse those large sums of money to to match get the 20K match that we're talking about right now, you could do that. There's 20K match. You could get a match for 20K right there. That could work. I'm just saying, if you wanted to, you could do that. So thank you for saying that. Or you don't even have to. Please, if you can, you can help out just by liking, commenting, and sharing. Like Henry was talking about. That helps. The like, the comment, the share, let people know we're out here. That does help. If you want to help my sponsors out, you need the world's smallest political quiz. You can do that. That's free too. Both of the things you see on the screen right now, they're free. You click the link in the description, take the world's smallest political quiz. It's cool. Share it with your friends. It's cool. And it's free. So have good conversations like that. You can like this, comment, and share. Also free. No money required. See that? If you got, if you are that too rich person he's talking about, I hope you are. Head over to uh, LarrySharp.com. Click that link right there. It's the 20K money bomb. 
throw your millions of dollars into that? Well, don't throw millions. You can only throw $40,000 in. So I know Pete was going, Larry, I want to give you 45000 I know you do, right? I know you do. Tom was like, I'm going to give you fifty. I know you do. Don't. I'll get in trouble. Don't do that. $40,000 is the max. Don't go any more than that, okay? You guys want to throw all your money at me. I appreciate it, but don't do that. Just, just 40000 is fine. No worries at all. So good. Thank you for that, guys. So, yes, let me keep with your comments. I appreciate it. So, all right. Um, Dan says, MMT sounds like a national bipolar disorder. It kind of is. Dan, it kind of is. Yes. So, Dave is like, well, we are already at inflation. Yes. 100%. We are. Yes. Uh, uh, JGJ, critical racist theory is induction of your kids into racism. That cultural battle is how Yunkin won VA. I do think it was a cultural war. I do think you're right with that. And as I've said many times before, the critical race theory concept makes me angry because it forces people into two sides and they're both wrong. One that says, there is no such thing as race. It doesn't matter. There's no such, no systems in place. Nothing's unfair. Everything's perfect, one side. The other side that goes, everything's racist. Everybody's racist. Everything is race. Everything's about race. Neither of those things are true, right? Neither of those things are true. There are, there are issues where race matters and issues where race doesn't matter. People are not racist by default, and people aren't oppressors or oppressed by default. But are some people oppressed? Yeah. Are some people oppressors? Yeah. Have we had a history of it? Of course. And if you ask the average American, and this has been true for a long time and still to this day, surveys have been done. Hey, average American, do you want our kids to learn about some of the very crappy things this country has done in the past? Most Americans go, yeah, we don't want to do it again. Teach them. Yes, most will. Will there be some purists who go, no, America's never done anything wrong and it's all perfect? Some people will. But the average American goes, I'm fine with that. I just don't want you teaching my kids now that nothing's changed and that's all the same and everybody's racist. Don't teach that. But if you want to teach people, hey, bad things happen. Let's talk about it. Let's let's be forward about it. I think most Americans are okay with that. And I and that's the problem that I think we have. The the issue is calling it systemic but blaming the individual and talking about the history and acting like nothing's changed. That's the issue. If you want to say a system is racist, you can talk about the system. Gun control was racist, right? It, it isn't as much now, but it totally began as racism. So say that. I don't have a problem with that. But then explain what happens now, how it works now. So I, I do I do get it. I think you're right. It's a culture war that nobody's winning. Because if either side wins, we lose. So neither side's winning. So yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Tim says it will be an investment in politics if I borrow ten million dollars. See, that's the point. We got to do the ten million thing. That's it. Then we can all get, make tons of money. Yes. Um. Why aren't we seeing unmasked children marches in New York? There's two reasons why, Shelly. There's two. One, because in many of the cities, they're okay with it. So why would you march? Be okay with it. But the second thing is. There's been so many marches and protests that the media now doesn't pay attention anymore. Let's be something else. The media ignores it now. They, st- they still exist. There's still some going on, particularly in, in upstate New York, but no one's paying attention anymore because it's like another one. And the state doesn't care. Like their people are getting mad and the leaders go, shut up. Who cares? That's what leaders are doing. So it's not getting 
and it's not getting pressed because people aren't moving. So yes. All right. All right. Um, let me see if I can keep going here. Joe says too big to fail for all. Yes. We are all too big to fail. I love that. Yes. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Um, John says, Hey, Larry, good to see you. I think most people feel prices are naturally going to rise and their thought process is, is as shallow as one greeting, greedy corporation X wants my money two price goes up. You know, I haven't thought of it that way. That's, that's a very good point, right? The the average American, I think prices are going up. It must be price gouging, right? It must be greedy corporations just wanting more money. And I'm sure there's a part of that that's true, right? I'm sure there's a part of that's true. The problem is most of these things, and inflation is a perfect example of it, is not controlled by only one thing. There are many factors causing inflation, and I think so many factors together causes the hyperinflation. It is them throwing a bazillion dollars into the market, right? Of course, it is corporations not wanting to take a hit to their bottom line when it comes to their senior executives. They take a hit someplace else. I think that's also true. And it is a lack of labor and 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 also horrible policies like laying people off when you shouldn't be laying them off or creating extra barriers when you shouldn't be creating extra barriers. So I think it is that too. It's all those things. But I think you're right. The average American goes, oh, greedy corporation. I think you're absolutely correct. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good read. I like that. We need an inflation stimmy check. Let's go, Brandon. Well, I say this often. The government does many things well. And I know some people are like, what? You're a libertarian. How can you say that? Now, it does. It does four things well, better than probably any other entity in the world. One, kill people. You want masses of people killed? Government is the answer. Got you covered. Way better than any mass murderer or whatever, any serial killer. Government will take care of that faster, better, and more indiscriminately. Like women, children, doesn't matter. Killing, government's got you, number one. Very good at that. Um, I just don't want that. But if I wanted it, that'd be the place to go. Seconds in prison, people. Man, can they imprison people? Like there's no tomorrow. Better than any, you know, kidnapper, hijacker. It's high school games. Um, government will imprison like there's no tomorrow. All the build prisons in other areas, find different ways of imprisoning you. Awesome. House, house imprisonment. You you got it. Government will figure a way of doing it. All good. So they do that well too. Third thing, create bureaucracy. Oh my God. Check boxes that have no value. Ooh. If you ever said to yourself, man, I'm just far too efficient. Government will step right in, solve that problem like that. No worries. And lastly, write checks. Government can write checks like there's no more better than banks. Government writes checks better than banks because they are a big bank. Here's more money. So Pete, it's funny, but it's, it's not. Government will always fall back to one of those four to solve every problem. Any problem that comes to the government, it will use one of those four or a combination. And one of them is write a check. So I guess to Dan's point, what's the plan when people don't work? Government write them a check. That's the plan, Dan. Oh, that rhymes. That's the plan, Dan. That's that's the plan. The plan is the government will write me a check. Uncle Joe will write me a stimmy check. And I'll stay home and watch some Netflix. That literally happened for about two years just recently. Year and a half, two years. Literally happened. Let's do it again. Why not? Modern monetary theory, Dan. 
Let's just write, keep writing checks. When we get to that 10 million thing, Tim is going to be like, Larry, I got you covered. I appreciate it. I'm be waiting for my check, Tim, when that comes. I'm going to be waiting. So, yes. All right. Um, JGJ says, the only reason I learned libertarian is, is because Republicans go boomer on tech issues. <laughs> That's sometimes true. It's funny. When I talk to Republicans, sometimes they, they don't want to talk tech. That does happen sometimes. Yeah, that does. It's a good one. Yeah. Or also... Sometimes Republicans go boomer on any type of vice, too, like sex work or um, cannabis. You'll sometimes see them. Not as much now. Many Republicans don't go that far on the vice side anymore. But you will see some be like, whoa, wait a minute. We can't legalize cannabis. Everybody will die. Or we can't legalize sex work. Or everyone will, I don't know, have herpes or whatever is the thing. They do worry about that. I think it does happen. So, all right. Juggling junk mover says, hi, Larry, question for you. What does the term we the people mean to you? Trick question. Maybe not, but it's several things, right? If if I look at it from, if I look at it from what the constitution was written, right? How the founders saw it. I think the founders saw it as those people in the society that have skin in the game. That's what they saw it as. People who have skin in the game. Meaning in their case, landowners, powerful men, those type. People, as, it's what our founders thought. It's how they decided to vote. I think it was, if I remember it right, I'm sure someone will correct me. I think it was, you had to be a white landowner over 25. I may be off on that. Someone I'm sure will correct me, but it's something like that. They thought, that's what they thought the people were. It was the people who had a stake in their communities, right? It was a community stakeholder. What I would say myself is it's the communities themselves, right? I don't see the, I don't see the difference between a stakeholder and anyone who is just there, right? Your community matters. So I would shift it to communities. I, I see we the people as the communities and government should be as local as it possibly can be down to the community level. And that's how I see we the people. I think our founders did not see it that way. That's how I see it. I hope I answer your question. So, all right. Um, let's see here. Um, he then continues, there should be no minimum wage. That's none of the government's business. That's up to the people and we the people. Business and we the people. Um, the problem is, I'm with you, but the problem, I'm with you in theory, not always in practice. The problem is it's it's difficult to... It's difficult to do that when the government has so much control of the economy. You have to slowly pull the government out of the economy, right? If the government controls so much of the economy, the government is basically what's made it to where, you know, labor laws control most large corporations, um, where the government decides how you get your health care. When the government decides so much of it, it's very difficult, right? It's very difficult for you just pull it out and say that can't happen. It's almost like you're saying government should control everything but this. I want the opposite. Government should only control something. And we have to change that narrative. So conceptually, yes, in practice, very hard to just do. Very hard. So yeah. All right. Um, Sam says, question, would you support putting a label on social media? That informs New Yorkers with the negative mental health effects of social media. Some of the back on alcohol warnings. Hmm. Do 
do the question becomes, Sam, do people not know this? Right? Am I against a label on a pack of cigarettes? I'm not. People still want to smoke. They know. But does anybody read it? Right? It does does anybody and maybe I'm wrong on this, but does anybody pick up a pack of cigarettes and go, cigarettes? Wait, these cause cancer? What was I thinking? I don't think anybody does that. What? This could cause heart disease. I didn't know this. Why would you sell this to me? I, I don't think anyone does that. I think people know smoking's bad. And I think they still want to smoke, knowing that it's bad. I don't, I don't think anyone's going, this is the healthiest thing I could do. I don't think people are, are doing that. Um, I think people know alcohol's bad in, in, you know, obviously not moderation. Hold on. Yeah. In moderation, it's depends who you talk to, right? It isn't as bad and depends on how you define moderation. But everyone knows excessive alcohol is bad. How about that? I think everyone knows excessive alcohol is bad. I don't think anyone's like, I'll chug this bottle of vodka. That's good for me. I don't think anyone thinks that. So in theory, am I against it? No, I'm not against it. The world's not going to end. It's not a hill I want to die on, but it's not something I would push. If anything, I would push a... If anything, I would push someone like a, a leader saying how bad it is, talking about it. What I think you find as effective as anything else is role models who do the right thing. If you have more, more role models do the right thing, more people tend to follow those role models. I think one of the reasons why smoking has gone down, there's many obviously, but one of them is you don't see as many of the role models smoking anymore. Right. So the people you're looking up to as an adult when you're a kid, most people start smoking in their teens. Not everybody, obviously, but most start smoking in their teens. And then they smoke as a way of getting together, being cool, hanging out with friends. It's a thing you do to show how, you know, show you're part of the, the team, that kind of thing. Peer pressure and such. Um, trying to be a cool guy, tough guy or cool girl, whatever. So if that isn't a thing anymore, less people will smoke. I think the idea of putting a, a label on social media, yet we still worshiping, um, is it Kylie Jenner? Is that right? I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a boomer when it comes to that too. Damn it. I just did the same thing you were talking about. So yes, um, I think or, or whoever is the cool person of the day, I think people are still going to watch and be involved and try to be like them. I don't know if it works. So am I against it? Eh, no, it's fine. If you want to put a label on it, it's fine. I, I don't mind regulation that is simply giving the consumer more information. That's about regulation. I'm, I'm just not prepared to, to fight that. But would I push it? No. I wouldn't push it, but I wouldn't fight either. If someone, if one of my constituents was like, we should do it, I'd sign that bill. I don't care. But I wouldn't rush it. It's not a hill I want to die on, but that's why I'm pushing because I do think that people just kind of know already. And if they and if they didn't know, they weren't they wouldn't go, wait, I'm not doing it anymore because now, Governor Sharp has told me that this is bad. I think just to do it. We have to give them something else to do and show them other ways of being cool or smart or savvy. So, yes. All right. All right. John says, as a New York State high school student, I never received any serious information on inflation except for my conservative economics teacher. Yeah. And I tell this often. When it comes to um, high school education, we have dropped the ball so badly. Why in the world in high school aren't we learning about inflation? Why aren't we learning about basic contract law? Why aren't we learning about credit cards, their bills and their debts and how credit works? 
I mean, all of us signed, signed contracts. Why is it not in high school? All of us deal with inflation. Why is it not in high school? Right? All of us do this. All of us get credit cards. Why is it not in high school? How about loans and an APR? How about the concept of a checkbook and a checking account? How about that concept? All those things aren't even taught. Why not? That should be, that's far more important. In my perfect world, you could survive in our environment by basic reading, writing, and, and arithmetic skills by sixth grade. I'm not saying you should go to school by sixth grade, but I'm saying by sixth grade, you should have all your basics done. Like you should know all your basics. Now, junior high school, you start getting to, into some other things that are more adultish. Things like, I don't know, how to do your laundry. I'm not joking. Expressing how that works. Shopping lists and such. All those things that you have to do as, as you get out. How, to, how, does inc- how does tax work on a bill? All those things, right? We learned those types of things in there. And how to fix things around your house. Remember you used to learn home ec? Remember that? Shop. Those types of things. Now you get into high school, why aren't you learning more detailed things like contract law? I'm very serious. What's, how do terms of service? We all check terms of service and have no idea what TOS is. Why aren't we learning that? This is what that actually matters in school. The vast majority of stuff you learn in high school is utterly useless. Let me say that again for some of you who are going to make you upset. I don't care. It's true. The vast majority of stuff that you will learn in high school is utterly useless. Some of it's valuable. Vast majority is not. You will never use it ever in your life. It's a holding cell for you for four years until you go off to, to, to some college where you'll learn four years of stuff that you'll never use. So it's eight years of wasting your life away, making it trying to make you figure out, feel likely or valuable when you're not even doing anything. So yeah, clearly I'm not a big fan. But yes, I would much rather us have uh, a better way of learning things in school. 100%. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pete says, Fed created inflation and the government created shortages. I like that. I like that. That's good. Lunar eclipses. I remember what I what I asked you about another recession will happen. Larry, I remember what I asked you about another recession will happen about 2023. However, there are many other bubbles that might burst, which will pop first. Housing, student loans, Bitcoin. Hmm. Housing, student loans, Bitcoin. Not Bitcoin. That's not going to pop anytime soon, I don't think. It may pop one day. It might. But I, I think what will actually happen is eventually, it's my feeling, eventually Bitcoin will stabilize. I don't know when that's going to happen. I have no, if that, is that one year? Is that 10 years? I don't know. I think eventually Bitcoin will stabilize. And then once it stabilizes, it'll be a critical time. Once it stabilizes, will people still use it? If it stabilizes and it does not become an actual coin, that's when it pops. Because they don't want to want anymore. They should be dumping it. It'll, be, it'll become valueless, right? The, the goal is at one point, at one point, Bitcoin stabilizes and then people go, oh, a Bitcoin is a r- worth around whatever. I'm making the number up. Say, again, I have no idea. I'm making this up, guys. For the sake of argument, Bitcoin stabilizes around $100,000, right? For sake of argument, I have no idea. Sake of argument, it, it, it decides about a hundred thousand dollars. It begins to kind of stabilize, and it stays, you know, within a couple bucks here or there of hundred thousand dollars. If that happens, that becomes stable. If it becomes semi-stable, people should, who have the Bitcoin, start using it as a currency. They should. If they don't use it as a currency after it stabilizes, bubble cra- it crashes, it pops, Boom, finished. 
because then why would you have Bitcoin anymore? It's just a, at that point, it's a fad. I'll grab the next one. I'll grab Dogecoin or Ethereum or whatever. People are spending Ethereum now. That's becoming a coin they're spending, right? Tusk, right? I talked about Tusk here on the show before. People are spending. They're buying stuff with Tusk. So if that becomes, if people start buying with that and not Bitcoin, that's when Bitcoin pops. Until that time, Bitcoin's not going to pop. So whenever that happens, one year, 10 years, I have no idea. Student loans, I don't think will ever pop because- Right now, why would they do anything about it? It's just going to sit there and keep going. And people just have to pay. It can't pop because going bankrupt, you still got to pay. There's no way for it to pop that makes any sense with student loans. Because you owe it no matter what. You have to die. Right? You have to literally die to not pay your student loan. So there's no way for it to pop. So I don't see that one happening. So I have to go housing crisis, which is already a problem. I don't know when that pops, right? when that pops, there'll be a bailout. I'm not joking. Why will there be a bailout this housing crisis? Because so many of the houses are actually purchased by permanent capital now. Right, why, why, why is it so hard for the individual person? Like, you know, me and my wife are going to go out and buy a house. Why is it so hard? Because permanent capital, meaning hedge funds, private equity firms, that's permanent capital, right? Things like that are, are, are buying up these properties and they're paying 20% over ask and cash. Well, how are you going to compete with that? You got to come up with a mortgage. You need whatever, 20, 30% down, whatever, whatever the amount of money is now, right? And then how can you go above your budget where some big bank goes, what did they say, 200? 250 cash. You go, I can't swing that. Oh, well, because you lose the house. Boom, they got 250. They take it and then they knock it down or whatever. They make two of them or they you know, rent it out, whatever the case may be. They buy it all up and they start renting it. So when that happens, when, when the housing bubble pops, a bunch of people are going to be caught are going to be big banks and permanent capital. And they always get bailed out, right? Banks always get bailed out. That's how that works, right? That Lehman Brothers failure, that's one in a million. And even, even though they didn't get bailed out, all the rest did. So bailout's coming. So when the housing crash comes, the individual person who owns the house, totally screwed. Totally screwed. Underwater screwed. The banks who bought that stuff up, they'll be fine. They'll get bailed out. So, Yes. All right. Lisa says, I saw you uh, with Andrew Yang. Yes, that was Saturday evening. It's true. I love his UBI policy. How do you feel about UBI? Do you have any ideas on making it to reality in New York? I do. To be forward, I'm not a huge UBI fan. I've mentioned this before. But I am, of, of all the UBI schemes, the one that I'm okay with is the one that's also known as an NIT or a negative income tax. I spoke about it on, in 2020 when Judge Jim Gray was trying to get the nomination for um, for president of the Libertarian Party in 2020, he lost that uh, bid to Joe Jorgensen. But when he was talking about it, he was bringing up the, the, the NIT, which I called a crutch to a ladder program. And I'd like to make something like that happen. The problem with any type of UBI or NIT is it's usually taxpayer-based. That is where I have a problem. All of my policies, as you know, never include any new ta- taxes, fines, or fees. So if you were to do it the way the Norwegians do it, the way the Singaporeans do it, the way some large organizations do it, I'd be okay with it. Well, how they do it is they create a separate fund out of something. Singaporeans out of finance, Norwegians out of uh, energy. If we in New York State could do it out of maybe, I'm making this up, but again, sake of argument, uh, maybe um, leasing out our uh, 4 million acres, uh, square acres of land, 
we can lease out lease it out for private use or even for private i'm sorry for, for private conservation right this area conserved you know for hunting by exxon sounds horrible i know but something like that maybe where we could put enough money together to create a fund to create a negative income tax what a negative income tax basically means is it's a crutch to a ladder which in theory again i don't have this planned out yet this is theoretical at the moment lisa the idea would be everybody would be guaranteed a a minimum equitable income. So for the sake of argument, again, sake of argument, it's 30 grand. I don't know what the number would be. So if you make less than 30 grand, you begin to get a, you begin to get a check, right? If you make less than, up to that number and that's it. Once you make over, nothing, whatever, whatever that number is. So it would try to get, it would be a way of getting you up, laddering you up. So if you get a job where you make more money, Right for every two dollars you make, one dollar comes off your stipend. So you begin to grow your way up, and you can grow past thirty thousand dollars, assuming that's the number. You could do something like that. That kind of thing could work. What, what, what that would mean is there'd be no need for minimum wage. Why? You're guaranteed a minimum in, income, so there's no need for minimum wage. You would you you always make over X dollar at least thirty thousand dollars, no matter what. So. So that would work. There's no need for minimum wage at that point, right? So that would get rid of that. You also wouldn't require any other forms of public assistance. You wouldn't need um, food stamps. You wouldn't need any uh, WIC, wouldn't be required, right? You wouldn't need any of those things. So those would all go away in theory, right? So if you did that style, all the bureaucracy of that goes away, all the other things go away, you'd only get that. And once you get past $30,000, you'd be fine. Or whatever, again, I made those numbers up. So when it comes to UBI, that style, I'm open to it. If you could make it to where there's no taxpayer dollars, it's only done through a fund, I'd be open to the idea, if that makes any sense. I hope that was clear. So, And the reason why people say, well, Larry, why would you even go that route? Because we're looking down the, we are looking down the UBI barrel right now. And if you think we're not, you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. It's coming. It's coming. So let's do it smart. That's my view. It's coming. Let's do it smart without extra taxpayer dollars, without just burning up the debt. Pete's mad enough. I don't need to make Pete any angrier, right? Without rolling up the debt anymore, without paying even more taxes, making Tim mad. I'm going to make Tim mad, many matter. We can find an answer. Is it challenging? Yeah. It, it doesn't mean impossible. Challenging means challenging, not impossible. And can you make it to where people can work their way off of it? If you can't work your way off of it, why even have it? That's my view, right? If you can't work your way off of it, why have it? I want this not to be a crutch, but to be a ladder. I want it to be a way of helping people who come out of prison, helping family members who you know lose their spouse and all of a sudden are on their own raising kids, helping someone who has a you know has a death in the family and has to you know do that, helping someone has to take some time off to take care of an elderly parent any of those things. That's what you would use it for and then to get yourself back in action afterwards and to move forward, hopefully past that. So that would be the goal. If you make it like that, I'm in. Hope that was helpful. So yes. All right. Missy says, support the show for free. Like, subscribe, share, comment, hit the notification bell. She's right. You should do that. Absolutely. Like, comment, and share. It does matter. Please do it. Why? That's how I get around the algorithms. By doing that, yes, if you want to support my sponsors, take the world's most quiz and share it. 
Share that link. The link's in the description. Share it right now. Makes my sponsors happy. They see it. Go, yay. Larry's promoting us. And I like it because this quiz makes you think about the issues. Doesn't just make you angry about the other. That's why it's so good. Have the conversations. Go back and forth. Share it. I'm happy. Sponsors happy. Everybody happy. Keeps the show going. If you want to give money to the show, you can. 10 bucks a month. Patreon.com slash Shortwave. Awesome. If you think, Larry, aren't you going to run for governor? Don't you want to help out? Okay. You can help out. $20,000 money bomb going on right now. This moment. Click that link. Be part of it. Be part of it so we can get matching funds and match it. Yeah, I said 20. Matched equals 40. Yeah, it does. Let's do that. Make sure that happens so we can make some some good dollars, buy some polling, buy all kinds of things that we need to move this campaign forward. So, yes, please do it if you can. That would be awesome. Thank you, Missy. <clears throat> all righty. Uh, Michael says, your bro plan would actually allow candidates to have ideas of their own aside from just fighting the party line. Yeah. Yes, Michael, you are correct. Remember the bro plan. B, ballot access. R, ranked choice voting. O, open primaries. Yes, absolutely. You do that, now it works. It's called the bro plan. Someone told me I had to make a bra plan, but I couldn't figure out B-R-U-H. I, I got to figure that one out one day, so maybe I'll come up with a bra plan. But then a bra plan might get confused with the bro plan, so I got to make sure I keep them separately. So I got a bunch of these acronyms. All good. So yes. All right. <clears throat> uh, Shelly says, three kids in one bedroom is very common. Thank you, Shelly. This is what I'm talking about. It's the new it's the new norm. Yes, it's the new norm. Yes. Juggling Jungle Movie. Yeah, a lot of stuff today. All right. I'm here. I'm with you, brother. I said it's an AMA. I'm taking them. Larry, how do you feel about Walmart, Dollar General, etc.? I don't like them and want them to die. I'm in the process of transitioning 100% of my patronage to local small businesses. But someone mentioned that the workers at local Walmart and DG and, and DG are neighbors, which is true. Okay. Let me be clear. I'm not against Walmart or Dollar General. I am not against them in theory and in practice, right? In theory. In theory, I'm not, right? Because they're big businesses and Dollar General is a big business and big business should exist in America. The problem is it's too big a chunk of America, right? Is Should there be a natural place in America for massive corporations, big businesses, small businesses, and mom and pop shops. Yes, and franchises. There should be a place within the economy for all of those things. The problem is they're dominating, and they dominate because of government. Why? The rules, regulations, planning is so extensive that only large corporations who have lobbying firms, law firms, engineering firms can actually do it. If you're Walmart or Dollar General, you literally have a real estate wing of your company. I'm not making this up. There is a separate real estate wing in all of these companies. That real estate wing literally understands everything about zoning, architects. They have their own architects, their own designers, their own lobbyists. They know exactly how and where to go to each state, each area, whose hands, to, you know, whose palms to grease, what to do, what to say, how to fight, what lawsuits to make, when to put. The, that's their job. These people are on the payroll to make that happen. It is a separate real estate section within the company. How's some mom and pop going to compete with that? They can't. The mom and pop makes one mistake. They're finished. They're done. Walmart doesn't make a mistake. And if it does make a mistake, it sues the, it sues the, uh, the county. 
because it's more powerful than the county is. And the county shuts up and goes, okay, just stop suing us. Take it. Go. Because they have that much power. So my problem is the government creates the environment to where only the big business owner can survive. Therefore, the big business survives. Take Make the playing field even. And maybe even look at a little bit of a, an advantage. And the advantage I bring up all the time is if you're in New York State and you are a small business and you agree to only sell within New York State, you should be immune from all federal regulatory bodies. You only you only worry about state problems. Only state, no federal regulatory bodies. Now, Walmart, Dollar General, all over the place, they have to worry about all of the rules. That slows them down a little bit. They still have the resources to fight those rules and to write the laws because Walmart lobbyists literally write laws. So they're going to, and they're going to have a separate legal department within Walmart to write the laws and to write, you know, all the rules and regulations. They're going to have that literally there. So they still have an advantage, but at least you have a little bit of an advantage. You start creating that, I'll be fine. But what you're doing is a good deal. To be forward, I don't shop at Walmart. I don't. I'd rather not shop. Like I don't shop at Walmart. Nor do I shop at Dollar General. I don't shop at either of them. That's me. But then again, I live in New York City. I have an advantage, right? I have an advantage. Some people don't. I'm not mad if you're in a town where the only place you can get anything is Walmart and Dollar General because everything else has gone, gone to business. I'm not mad at you. You got to live your life. Live your life. I'm lucky I live in New I'm not lucky I live in New York City. But in this case, I am lucky that I live in New York City. I have whatever I want around me. So I don't have to go to a Walmart or Dollar General. Literally, my I have... Across the street from me, a deli, a dentist, uh, an accountant, a guy who fixes my computers, they're across the street from me. So I have a lot of options, but some people don't. Hope that answers your question. So, all right. Um, if I can keep doing this here. All right. Um, I'm trying to grab you to the best of, of, of my ability if I can. All right. Uh, Pete says, I've, I, voted my tax, I voted to tax my landlords more. Why is his rent going up? <laughs> That's very good. I like that. That's good. I don't understand. Yes. Uh, Tim O'Connor, Bitcoin, is it time to buy politics? It is. Tim, it's like you read my mind. If you are a Bitcoin person and you made some cash on Bitcoin, you know you could donate to Larry Sharp's command if you wanted to by clicking that link right there, crypto hyphen donation. Just saying, if you want to help out, you made a bunch of money on Bitcoin, 60000 or whatever the heck dollars it is now, you bought it at Hopefully, like five thousand. I hope. Hope at five hundred. That'd be nice. You bought it at something. You know what? I'm not asking much. I'm asking for half a bitcoin. Tim, am I being greedy? That's not bad. Half, not even a full bitcoin. I'm asking for half a coin. Come on, I'm generous. Half a coin. Throw it at me and see what happens. I love that idea. That's a good idea. Yes. All right. All right. Um, isn't Larry Sharp trying to run as Republican? I am not. I'm trying to run in the Republican Party. Um, I am Libertarian. Reg Libertarian will always be one. New York State has a very specific uh, rules called fusion voting, which allows you to be in multiple lines. So if I run the Republican primary, I can, in theory, win the Republican primary, and the Republicans would basically be endorsing me. Like if uh, it's just similar to Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is a socialist, independent, but he runs the Democratic primary. So if he'd win the Democratic primary, Democrats would endorse him, but he would still be an independent and a socialist. I'm still libertarian. If I won, if I run the Republican Party and Republican primary and win it, they would be endorsing me. So it's different. It's how it works in New York State. I'd be listed multiple times. I'd be listed as Republican and then listed as a uh, as libertarian. So yes. All right. Dan says, "Don't worry, Larry. When I become super rich, 
We're ready to do all this game. I like that. It's more legal than getting revenge my enemies. <laughs> this is also true, Dan. This is a better way of doing it. Getting rich, better plan. I agree. Much better plan. Yes. Craig says, um, who printed all those extra dollars that inflated everything? Rhymes with Smetero Reserve. Yes. Why don't people understand that it's so simple? It's true. What rhymes with Smetero Reserve? Hmm. Hmm. Too cryptic, Craig. I don't get it. Too cryptic. Yes. Jason says, enjoy your ideas and explanations. Very straightforward, which is refreshing. Do you have recommendations for how to connect with like-minded candidates in other states? Ohio. Yes, I always say this. If you want to find, if you want to find out what the LP is doing, always go to the state affiliate. Just type in Libertarian Party and that state. There will be an affiliate in that state. Connect to them. Say what you're looking for. They will help you find what you're looking for. That's always the best case wherever you are, whatever state you're in. Type in Libertarian Party, your state. There will be an affiliate. If you don't know where to go, lp.org, and it's literally a map. State affiliates. So, yes, find it. you can go lp.org, state affiliates, pick it. They'll, you'll have a contact right there to figure that out. That's the best answer. Hope that was helpful. Yes. All right. Um, let's see if I can do this. David says, is that $40,000 for the primary and $40,000 for the general? How it actually works in New York State for the, for the governor's race. I hope some of you have enough money to do this. I actually, believe it or not, I am raising money now. The average uh, donation for my last campaign I raised about half a million dollars. The average donation over the course of a year and a half was $85 per uh, person. $80, $85, $90 per person was the average donation. But I had people who gave me $10,000, $25,000. That absolutely happened. And so some people do give me that. If you if you guys want to give lots of money, please do so. It's, it's just going to go to polling and ads that we need to make impact to make this stuff more popular. So feel free. Do that as much as you want. You, you also get to see my report. Right. So you can see where it goes and I got, I got to hide it. It is, it is public. You will see exactly where it goes. That's where it's going. So you can give up to $44,000 before the primary. After the primary, you may give in the $7,000. So in reality, the max is actually $51,000 that you can give any gubernatorial candidate in New York state. 44,000 before, 7,000 after. So I just say 40,000 because if you can give 40,000, that's good enough. I'm not going to complain over the four grand extra. So, David, if you want to give 40 grand, please feel free. Lottershop.com slash donate. Go right ahead. Happy to. Or text us and we'll give you an address to send a check to. Happy to make that happen. So, yes, the, I think the largest check I've ever received. I mean, again, it's public, it's public knowledge, right? You can just check it if you want to. I think the largest I've ever received at one time was $10,000 at one time. Then that's right. I think 10,000 is the most. Yeah. I mean, I gave myself $10,000 when I first started. Well, well, some of you don't know this. When I ran in 2018, I started in 2017. The first thing I did was write myself a check for 10 grand. And I said, people said, why? Because if I'm going to ask you for money, I got to ask in the game too. So I wrote myself a check. I, if I don't believe in me, why would you? Right? So I got to show I believe in me. So I wrote myself a check for 10 grand and started raising money. So now I don't have a problem asking you for money. I wrote myself a check already. So now I can ask you, right? I can't, you know my view. I can't point my finger at you until I point my finger at myself first. So I had to point my finger at myself first. Now I pointed at you, right? So yes, 10 grand, I think is the most I've ever received at one time. Over the course of the campaign, I had several people who gave me over $20,000 over 
over the course of the campaign. I gave myself 10 and others gave more than that. So I think I was my sixth or seventh large, large, largest donor. There were like seven people ahead of me that were more, that were bigger donors than I was. Seven, eight, something like that. Again, it's public knowledge. If any of you can go check, it's public knowledge. So anyway, thank you for that. Yes. All right. Um, let's see here. Kirsten says, I think a lot of CRT problem will be alleviated if we stop using the term C- critical race theory because people do not seem to be talking about the same thing when they use it. This is true. I, I realize this, and I want to be clear for you guys, and, and this is the dis- – there's a, 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 a disingenuousness that bothers me here from people talking about critical race theory, and this is mostly on the people who are on the left in this case. Many of them are saying there's, they're, they're, they're not teaching critical race theory. All right. Technically, to your point, Kirsten, and I know what you're talking about, so I'm going to go here. Technically, you are correct, meaning actual critical race theory is not being taught in the schools. That's true. Actual critical race theory is only taught in colleges. What's being taught in schools is terrible, woke garbage that is being called critical race theory. So it might as well be critical race theory, if that makes any sense, because you're right. They're using the wrong term. It's similar to when you take a pencil. And you say, this is pencil, this is pencil lead. This is not actually pencil lead. It is graphite. It's not lead. However, when you say pencil lead, everyone knows what you mean. So when they say critical race theory in schools, it's not actually critical race theory, but everyone knows what you mean. It's the woke garbage that makes people feel bad about the race. That's what's being taught in schools. I know I have two kids in public schools. Some people say that's not being taught. I guess my kids are lying to me and so are all their friends. It's a massive conspiracy because they're all talking about it and my kids too. So there is woke garbage being taught. It's being called critical race theory. So it might as well be critical race theory. But technically, you are correct, Kirsten. Technically, it is not critical race theory. So I don't know if that matters, but you're right. It just muddies the water. So yes. Sam says, I just did donate button. Thank you, Sam, my friend. Thank you. There is literally no better way for me to spend money far better than buying good services from companies who hate liberty. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, I appreciate that. Yes. All right. Um, Shelley says, the Fed is protested weekly in Germany. It has been for decades. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Tim says, gun control is racism and economic bigotry. Also true. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Bernard, what are your thoughts on meeting with Andrew Yang? I did meet with Andrew Yang this weekend. I thought it was great. Nice conversation. Good talk. We'll be talking again. Um, the, the, we, without question, there are several things that we t- completely agree upon. Um, and I'll give you a couple of them where we are right simpatico. The bro program. On, we both agree. Ballot access, critical for third parties and making things better. Um, ranked choice voting is the answer without question. Open primaries is going to help tremendously. The duopoly is broken. The two parties are broken. We agree on that 100%, and we are sympathetic on that one. So right there, we're good. There are other things that we disagree upon, and, and that's okay. We'll, we'll have those conversations and figure that out. But those we are – I say it all the time. If you agree with me 80% of the time, you're my ally. And can we work together? Yes. Absolutely, let's work together. It doesn't make you a libertarian. Does it make somebody else libertarian? but we can work together. And I want to move things forward. If I need to find allies, I'm in. Let's find some allies. That's what I'm talking about, right? Got to find some allies. I hope that was clear. Yes. 
All right. Um, let me keep going down here. David says, gun control in the late 1800s and early 1900s targeted minorities and poor whites. Very true. You're right, David. Absolutely. 100%. And to be forward, all right. This Kirsten, look, this is your fault, Kirsten. That's what critical race theory is supposed to be. Right? Well, you just said, David, that's what it's supposed to be. The idea, this is a theoretical idea in for college level. You're supposed to look at things, right, from from the from the perspective of race. You couldn't theory have critical constitutional theory, which means you look at everything from a, 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 a level of the constitution, right? Or whatever. You can make critical insert thing theory, right? You're looking at the thing based upon that. So I'll look at, say, gun control. You can look at it from a constitutional perspective, in which case now you're saying what, what the founders believe, what rulings have been made, why would you do this, how can you do this, based upon the Constitution only. That will be critical constitution theory, if that makes any sense. So you would decide, is it right, is it wrong, how does it affect the Constitution, that kind of thing. Or race, in which case, okay, look at it from a racial perspective. Okay, what most people know, and to your point, David, and also Tim's, this was to keep guns out of the hands of the riffraff, right? They didn't want the riffraff doing the bad things. They didn't want sl- former slaves trying to go shoot their former masters. If I was a master, I think I'd be on board with that plan, right? I mean, that makes sense if I'm, if I'm one of the former masters, right? And then, of course, many of the poor whites who, uh, many of the poor whites who were coming to America in the 1900s, they were considered almost like secondary citizens. The Irish were not looked upon very well. The Italians were looked upon very nicely at all. Right, they looked upon very poorly, and they, and many of the the uh, the, the what they were called the, the upper class white people were like, well, do we want these people to have these guns? They might come after us. So I do think you're right. That's and that would be looking at from a racial piece. That's what critical race theory is supposed to be about. That's not what we're teaching in 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 the schools. We're teaching some woke garbage stuff, which they're calling critical race theory. But yes, that's the point, David. Critical race theory, in theory, again, I'm talking theory versus practice. It's not a bad thing. You can look at anything from any different lens, and you should look at things from multiple lenses to include race. That should be a part of how you look at something. Of course it is. So anyway, thank you for that. So, all right. Um, Charlemagne says, would you support a negative income tax for New York? If you had that or you'd be on your platform, you easily get the forward party line. I, I, I may have been late in that, or maybe I haven't uh, checked that, but I did mention that earlier, the idea of a what I call a, a cr- from a crutch to a ladder. That plan, as long as there is no extra taxation at all or fines or fees, eh, I'm, I'm okay with the idea. I'm okay. I'm okay with the idea. So, yes. All right. All right. Um, so he says, nice chat tonight. Great question and comments. I, I appreciate that. Yes. We're trying to make things happen. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Matt says, have you reached out to any Bitcoiners? Have any reached out to you? Not enough, Matt. Not enough. I'm the one trying to get rid of the bit license and open up New York City again to to cryptocurrency. Right now, people do work in cryptocurrency, but they don't have their businesses based here. Because we're so mean and nasty, it's stupid. So, yes, if you know any, Matthew, please reach out. I'm happy to talk to them all, 100%. Yes. Gene says, if I wrote checks to the government, I'd be in jail. Yes, 100%. Yes, absolutely. So... All right. Um, let's see here. Do you have any thoughts on the Curtis Yarvin, Mencius Moldberg, and localism slash successes slash Bitcoin Sedell slash balkanization? Wow. 
Am I supposed to know what all that stuff is? All right, team. If you're watching, we got homework to do now. Matthew's making us do work. Now we got to do work. Thanks, Matthew, for giving us all homework. All right, we got homework to do, guys. There we go. Okay. All right. Um, if you win political office, will you take your salary in Bitcoin? Why would I take my salary in Bitcoin? How could... I don't know how I could take my salary in Bitcoin. Does New York State produce Bitcoin? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Interesting idea, though. Maybe I'm. Maybe when I make the New York State coin our own currency, I take my money. I'll take my money in New York State currency. That's not bad. We do that. New York State currency. We'll call it the dollar. Oh, terrible. Anyway. Uh, I'm not going to be good at naming things. I'm, I'm a, I, I can definitely do like the acronym thing, but naming things, not my skill set. Someone else got to do that. So, yes. So, anyway, yes, we keep going. All right. Uh, Logic says, yep, started smoking at 19, smoked for six years. They went to the vape side. We're in the best decision ever made. Except that New York State hates vapes. I, I, uh, yes, terrible. Hates vapes. Yes, they can't stand it. Jillian says, laundry, shopping, and basic chores are the parents' responsibility. Um, but they don't do it. You're right, and they don't do it. Yes, they don't do it. I, yes, they don't do it. Um, if you look, have you seen our youth? They have no idea. Clueless. If if you're if you're like thirty, on your twenties, there's a thing. It's called adulting. That shouldn't be a thing. You should just be an adult. You shouldn't be adulting. You should just be an adult. Those days, are, those days are over. You're correct. That's what should happen. It's not. Just being forward with you. My kids know. Like, my kids know. My goal has always been to make sure my kids can be independent. Sadly, I'm a rarity in parenting today. It's just, it's just true. So, Jason says, I had an engineering professor who took two weeks out of curriculum to cover personal finance and retirement planning. So he's 25 years later. Ah, oh, look at that. Look at that. See that juggling junk removal? See that? I'm right. Thank you, Jason. Take that. So, yes. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So good. Absolutely. Bernard says, yep, those things I taught my secondary students. Yes. There we go. Killing it. Yes. Sam says, but Larry, are you saying it was useless for me to memorize lines from Shakespeare in my English class? Sarcasm. Well, you know, it's it's funny. This, this is a, this is a, there's something to be said for this, though, Sam. You, you bring up a good point. Is it useless to memorize lines from Shakespeare? In everyday life, yes. But if you wanted to, Awesome. And that's my issue. That should be a secondary issue. Maybe someone enjoys Shakespeare and they want to memorize all the lines of Shakespeare. That's great. It is kind of impressive if you can memorize many lines and saying cool Shakespearean lines, I'm sure impresses the chicks. I guess. I don't know. Do it does it? I don't know. Whatever. But I mean, impress. it would impress me and I'm not a chick, but fine. You could impress me if you wanted to. It would still be impressive. So I think it's a good thing if you want to. But why is that a requirement? Right. And I will get why it would have been a requirement. And it would have been a requirement if, if that's how our culture worked, meaning you would have to know Shakespearean lines to survive in the world. Now, if you go back 100 years, 
people used to memorize biblical verses all the time. It was a common thing in classes. Why? Because many people spoke in that way. It was a common way of speaking, and you could understand what's happening, and that, that was a thing that was required within our, within our culture. Not so much anymore. Now our culture changes so quickly, it's more, we're more worried about the, the cool meme that's on YouTube or TikTok or whatever is the cool social media of the day. So I'm not against you memorizing Shakespeare, but what's the value of it outside when most people will not even remember any part of Shakespeare anymore, right? Some people will, but most won't. They're going to be more concerned about the cool thing of the day. So it's actually more important, sadly, in many ways, to to understand pop culture than it is this. So Paul says, Bitcoin would need to go to go you as people have less faith in the traditional market and monetary policy. I think yes, but I still think people have to eventually use it, right? I think that has to happen eventually. That's, they have to, yes. Juggling uh, says, that's why I dropped out of high school a year ago. A couple of reasons for that, but one was that I don't need calculus and geometry if not planning to be an engineer or carpenter. Very true, yes. Now I'm 18, I have my own very successful trash removal and clean up business and have goals for life. Never in my life was I planning to go to college and still not planning to. I'm not fighting you. I agree. Not fighting you, man. I agree. Yes. I agree. All right. Um, Matthew says, crypto will need to go up as people use. Oh, he said it already. Sorry. All right. Bitcoin will stabilize once the coins become more scarce. That's my point, Matthew, right? At one point, it should stabilize. I don't know enough to know when that's going to be, but it should at one point stabilize. Zachary says, implied volatility in Bitcoin or the lack thereof has little to do with the value of the blockchain and the assets referential status in the ecosystem. Duh. I think we should talk more about the technology, its history, and how it can benefit the cause. Um, the technology, I'm with you 100%, Zachary. I think the tech- technology is the future. I completely agree. But people are talking specifically about Bitcoin as a, as a currency. So you kind of have to talk about Bitcoin and how you know, volatile it is or how stable it is if you're talking about Bitcoin. What you're talking about more is the blockchain. For those of you who don't know, that's the that's the technology underlying right? Bitcoin. Without the blockchain, there's no Bitcoin, right? For those of you who don't know that. I don't know if any of you know this or not. But the blockchain is the actual um, technology underneath it. I remember when, when Bitcoin first came out. I'm sorry. When I first heard of Bitcoin, not when it first came out. When I first heard of Bitcoin, I couldn't tell the difference. I didn't know the difference. I thought blockchain was Bitcoin. I didn't know they were different. I had to learn it and go, oh, this is a separate issue. One is technology. One is the coin. I thought all cryptocurrency was Bitcoin. I thought they were synonymous. I didn't realize that they were separate and different. Now, of course, I've learned that that's the case. Many Americans are where now where I was then. They think, oh, Bitcoin is all the money is Bitcoin. They don't know any better. Now people are learning as Bitcoin becomes more popular, they're getting this difference. And some don't understand the difference between blockchain either. So they're learning that too. Uh, my point is, if you're talking about Bitcoin, I mean specifically Bitcoin. To Matthew's point, if it stabilizes and no one uses it, I think it crashes. If people use it, I think it stays in theory forever. My point. So, yes. All right. Um, Logic says, as long as UBI is based on a voluntary system that people choose to pay into, then fine with me. Yeah, I I would rather people, yes, they would. But the odds are if you create a UBI system, probably people wouldn't pay. Probably only organizations or entities would pay. It'd either be groups purchasing or leasing something 
or maybe even, for example, let's say we want to preserve a forest in New York State or preserve a hunting area, right? Maybe we would have a large family office that wants to show they care about the, 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 you know, the environment. They would pay to lease the lands out to preserve it. This now becomes a preserve and the family name is on it and they pay X millions of dollars per year to keep their family name on it to preserve the lands. So you could basically lease out the land to preserve it. That makes any sense, right? Or lease out to hunting, right? That kind of thing. In that case, maybe they lease out to hunting. Maybe hunters pay their licensing fee to them instead or something like that, right? You could do something like that. You could use it for that, that type of thing, creating new hunting ranges, things of that sort. So I think that type of stuff could work. But that the odds of individuals paying for that, I think, would be slim. Could there be some billionaire who wants to have his name on something and individually pay? Yeah, it could happen. But I just, I just doubt it. Is what I'm saying. The odds are slim. It's probably going to be entities that somehow pay companies, organizations, um, nonprofits, stuff like that. So yeah. All right. Um, Shelly says, "Here's my quick answer why I'm voting for you. He has creative methods of funding that doesn't add to taxpayer burden." Then they want to know more. I like that. I like that. Yes. All right. Tim says, I can make a case for UBI if we divorce ourselves from the current infrastructure system. Yes. That's my point, right? If you create the NIT world, it has to also take off the burden of the state writing checks, right? It has to do both of those things. If it takes off that, right, then I think it can work too, right? Now the state isn't paying. Now the, the NIT is paying. The fund is paying. Ah, way better. Gets rid of the gets rid of the of of the uh, of the inf- another infrastructure, the uh, the jobs that these government jobs, not a bad idea either. So yeah, uh, Dan says, "What do you mean, Larry? UBI is so simple. MMT, baby. I'm with you. Just crank the printers up. What's it saying? Money printer go brr. That's exactly right. Pay the student dollar bills. I'm in. Let's do it. Who cares? I love it. Yeah, it's good." So it's just like, bruh, I know it's hard to do, bruh. You got, I got to figure that one out. That's very tough. Yes, very tough. Roman says, Larry, what are your thoughts on the Dems and Republicans' current field for governor? Hochul, James, de Blasio, Zeldin, Giuliani, uh, Astorino. Um, I'm happy to give you my, my view on those. The Democrats are going to have four people running, Hochul, James, de Blasio, and probably um, Jumani Williams. Jumani Williams and de Blasio both have no chance of victory. Jamani's doing it so that he can grow his his um, profile. Smart move for Jamani. If I was him, I'd do the same thing. I think it's a smart move. He's not going to win, but he's going to grow his profile. For those who don't know him, Jamani Williams is the the um, basically number two in New York City. He's the person called a public advocate. It's like vice mayor, if that makes any sense. That's what it kind of is. Um, he wants to grow his his profile. Right move for Jamani. He's not going to win, but good move. De Blasio is delusional and thinks he's going to win. He's going to run, believing he's the progressive answer and going to win. He's going to get slaughtered, and he's going to embarrass himself, but he has no shame, so it's irrelevant. So de Blasio is doing it because he's delusional, Jumani because he wants to raise his his uh, profile. Um, So that's what they're doing it. De Blasio, again, delusional, Jumani, smart move, good move. Hochul and James will run against each other. I think Hochul may drop out. My gut says James will run away with it and that she will become the nominee for the Democrats. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it will be Tish James. For those who don't know, she's our uh, attorney general. She's the one who took down Cuomo. My gut is she's the winner. It's tough to see Hochul winning because Hochul does not have 
Hoku isn't friendly, doesn't have a good personality. She doesn't come across as any of those things. She come across as original. So she's not that good of a campaigner. Um, she crossed the state many times and people still don't know who else she is. James is part of the working families uh, party. So she's already a progressive. So the, the, the hard left will like her more than Hokel. Um, and Hokel's attached to Cuomo. James is not. James took down Cuomo. So I think James wins this. So my opinion, if I had to bet money, Democrats get Tish James. Um, that's my gut. When it comes to the Republicans, the only guy who's going to win a Republican nomination will one of two. Zeldin or me. That's it. Nobody else has a chance. Julian has no chance. Ezra, no, none of any chance at all of any victory whatsoever. They're never going to get the nomination. None of them. Zeldin has already raised like $6 million, something like that. Um, I'll probably raise more than the rest of them. Um, so they don't have any chance. No one, they're all non-entities. Either Zeldin wins this or I do. That's who, that's who's going to be the Republican nominee. Um, if it's Zeldin, he loses. There's no way Zeldin can win this thing. It's impossible. You might go, well, wait a minute. He has lots of money. Democrats have money too. His money's not going to matter. Democrats will have money too. It'll be money against money. The state's two and a half to one, Democrats, Republican, and Zeldin's tied to Trump. No matter what you want to say, he's tied to Trump. There's no way around it. He was Trump's lawyer. Um, he voted to not, he literally voted to not, um, to not um, um, certify the 2020 election. You think Democrats aren't going to tie him to Trump? They're going to tie him to January. They're going to make Zeldin the guy who ran January 6th and try to kill people. They're going to make him that. There's, and it's going to work, right? The reason why Youngkin won Many reasons why he won. The biggest reason why Youngkin won in Virginia is he was seen as a nice Republican. He was seen as a nice Republican. He is. I'm just saying the guy is a nice Republican. So he was seen as a nice Republican. People like the nice Republican. Remember George W. Bush? Compassionate conservative? People like that stuff, right? A re- hardcore Republican is going to vote for the Republican. That's how it is. But that's not the part that matters. The part is the other people who are not hardcore Republicans. Non-hardcore Republicans like nice Republicans. Youngkin's a nice Republican. They're going to make Zeldin look like he was kicking the doors in January 6th. You can guarantee that's going to be the commercials. Guaranteed. It's going to be the commercials. If they don't literally have him somehow uh, be in Congress and try to subpoena him or something, it's going to be a disaster. So I think Zeldin wins or I win. That's it for Republicans. Um, if I get all the lines, I think I have a chance of beating. I think I have a chance of beating James. I think I do. People think it's crazy. I think I do. Because what will happen is if I get either a Republican line or if I get the forward line or both, whatever of those, if I get those lines, I get in debates. If I get in debates, I will embarrass any of them. I don't. I know that sounds like I'm full of hubris, but doesn't matter. If you guys have watched me debate in the past. They're not going to be able to handle it at all. They're just going to yell, other guy bad. And I'm going to figuratively leave them lying in pools of blood on that debate stage. It's not even going to be funny. It will be embarrassing. If I were them, I wouldn't show up. Like, I would just not show up. I'd rather I'd rather be called a coward than be slaughtered on that stage. I just wouldn't show up if I was them. Like, I'm not. If, if I'm their campaign manager, I'm like, stop coughing because you're sick. You ain't going. You're not going. Larry Sharp's gonna he's gonna murder you on a stage. Don't you dare go. That's what I would be telling them if I were the campaign managers. So there is there are my thoughts. I hope that was clear. All right. All right. Um let's see if I can keep going down here. Um let's see here. You have so many of these. I really appreciate this. Thank you for all the things um that we're talking about here. 
Um, uh, uh, Isla says, we don't shop at Walmart either. Try to business with locals. Guys, if you see me when I run across this state, you can't even see me in a franchise. And I'm not against franchises because sometimes franchises are local owners. That does happen. Sadly, not often enough. But it does happen. I'm not against franchises. But you will see me always in some local place. I cross this state. I'm always in a local diner, local eatery, local brewery, local something owned by the people who are there. Always. Yes. You seem to do it all the time. Yes. Absolutely. I go out of my way doing that. Yes. So. All right. Um, let's see if I can keep going down here. All right. Um, Tony says, Hughes Larry Sharp fan. And if I still live in New York, I'd vote for you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Yes. Robert says, I joined late. Ignore people's ask. What about tariffs that the last administration put on imports and this administration needs to regard inflation up? That is a federal issue, Robert. So if I was running for governor, there isn't much I can do about that. However, here's how I feel about tariffs in general. Tariffs are bad, and we should always be moving to lower tariffs at every single way, regardless of whether they want to lower them or not. We should be moving towards lowering, lowering tariffs all, all the time. Problem is you can't always just do it like that, right? Even though most of the Chinese want to just end them, the problem is now the market shifts so fast, I don't want disruption that's going to affect American businesses. So you have to slow it down and bring it back so that the businesses can respond to what's happening and know in advance what it's going to be. I need businesses to be able to respond to the government change. So I would always be moving, if I was at a federal level, to slowly remove tariffs. I think you kind of have to. It's, it's the right answer. I hope I answered your question. So, yeah. Let's see here. Um, schools teach critical race applied principles. Crap. <laughs> it's very good. It's not CRT. It's CRAP. I like that. Very good. That's how I always refer to it. I love that. There we go. Yes. All right. Uh, Tony says, if you're open to constructive criticism, I read these things live, Tony. If I'm not, I'm doing something wrong. Um, I think you would do yourself and limit a service by diving deeper into Bitcoin. If you had to delete government button, would you press it so hard your thumb blistered? Um, so I'll, t I'll touch both. I think one was a question, one was a criticism. I do want to move more into the Bitcoin world. And I think we do. The problem is Bitcoin people don't always trust us to be forward. If you know more people in that world, I'm happy to chat with all of them. I'm, at, I'm with you on this 100%. Would I delete, would I press it if I could delete government right away? No, I wouldn't. Why? Because we are not ready for it as a nation. Um, I think, and it's going to sound crazy when I say this, it's going to sound crazy, but I'm going to quote Arvin Vora. Some of you know who that guy is, but he's right on this one. Arvin's smart. He's smart. He said, if we tore down the system right now, destroyed it, we just rebuild the same system again because the culture hasn't changed. He's right. We need culture change. If I press that button to leave government, we'd rebuild it exactly the same way. Within five years, we have exactly the same thing again because our culture hasn't changed. The culture has to change to understand that community is more important than government. You do that by supporting community first, then the government begin to wither. As government begins to wither, then you press the button. You wait till government is withering. Government's just growing stronger and stronger. You need to button now? There's nothing but government. It, there would be such a massive gap in the world, we would just rebuild government. How do I know that? Because the second the black market pops up, what do we do? 
build more government. The black market will pop up immediately because there'd be no government. So we would respect more government. So culture has to change and government has to be on the decline. When the government's on the decline, I press that button. Government's on the rise, I don't press that button. I just make them build, they'll build more government even more. So culture change first, then button. I hope that makes sense at least. I'm sure you, some of you are like, what? You wouldn't push the button. I don't, I don't want to rebuild the same thing all over again. I want long-term change. I want to turn the country into the it, facing liberty. It's not, in case you guys haven't figured that out, we're not marching towards liberty right now. We're marching towards oligarchy. We aren't there already. So let the turn stuff facing liberty, then, then push the button. Until then, I'm just going to rebuild the same garbage. So I hope that answers your question. Yes. So David says, what? You're telling me that if we agree 80% of the time on the issues, we're not 20% enemies? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Dan says, this is educational. I've stayed away from the CRT conversation because I've been concerned that there's too much oversimplification of the issue. Now I'm learning some nuances. Yeah. I mean, that. yes, that's right. Dan. The, and that's, that's, a dis, that's what bothers me about some of the people on the left. What they're going is, they're not teaching CRT. But they know they're teaching, to Sam's point, crap. They know that, and they know that people are calling crap CRT. You know that. It's like if I go, well, I don't, do you have any, do you have any um, pencil lead? You go, no. You go, no, none. You walk away. How are you writing? I have graphite. Y- you know what I meant. Why don't you just tell me you got graphite? You know I meant graphite when I said lead. Right? That's what's happening with CRT. And I love Sam. Crap. There's a difference. They're, they're overlapping the words, and it's becoming confusing. So, yes. Again, that's when you hear people go, CRT is only taught in colleges. Again, theoretic, sorry, not theoretically. Technically, that's true. But they're being disingenuous because of what's being taught in schools. So thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad that was helpful to kind of clear that up. Yes. All righty. All right. Let me keep going here if I can. Um, let's see here. Critical Constitutional Theory Caucus. I'm in. Now that, see? Now let me, let me bring this up. I love that you brought this up. There are two things here. The constitutional piece is important, but again, there are some people in this country, and you know this, Jonathan, you know this, who don't care about the Constitution. So you can walk down that road and show them everything, and they go, yes, you're correct, and I don't care. So you have to use constitutional theory for people who care about the Constitution. Right. And I'll bring up gun control again. Right. And when I bring up gun control, when I talk about guns in many parts, more red parts of the state, they care about the Constitution. So I bring it up. I talk about the Constitution. I, I joke and I go, it's not the second suggestion. It's the Second Amendment. Right. And that works like they get it. They understand it. And now we're using critical constitutional theory to deal with gun control. So I once said, you know what? I wouldn't. And, I, and someone was kind of fighting me on this. It was a, a guy talking about um regulation on guns. And I said, you know what? Some of you may remember this. I said, if, the, if someone wanted to pass a law that said, look, people are now buying more guns and they're hurting themselves with recoil, right? Too much recoil and they're hurting themselves. They don't understand because they're new to guns. They don't understand how recoil works and they're hurting themselves. So they would like to pass a law that says gun manufacturers have to label what how much recoil is in a gun, right? Any firearm. And they got to label, you know, strong, medium, small, whatever, you know, green, yellow, red, whatever. They got to do something like that. And that law was coming up and I had to sign that law. Would I sign the law? 
not a hill I want to die on. Yes. Why? That makes regular. That is a regulation that makes regular. Does it stop you from buying the firearm? You can buy it if you want to. You can buy the red one that hurts your shoulder if you want to. Up to you. All the law would say is manufacturers have to give it a rating. It's red or it's yellow or it's green. That's it. You can still buy it. It doesn't stop you. Do what you want. Just the manufacturer has to say, this is a red recoil, yellow recoil, green recoil. Why? That's critical constitutional theory. Does that well regulation infringe? It does not. Therefore, that is a regulation that does not infringe. Totally fine. Does that make sense? If I were to say, if it's red, you can't buy it, that would infringe. But if I say, no, no, you could buy it. It just has to have us, if somebody has been listed someplace, listed online, which guns have the red, which have the yellow, which have the green. That's critical constitution theory. Now, if I'm talking about critical race theory, like, okay, wait a minute. Are you saying that certain guns are illegal and certain guns aren't illegal? Yes, certain ones are. Why? Well, those who are used by gangbangers who tend to be black are illegal. Wait a minute. How can that be illegal? That would be critical race theory dealing with gun control. I hope I'm making sense with that. So you could use multiple. And again, that is college level. That's not crap. That's not what's being taught in, in the schools. Totally different thing. So, yes. All righty. John says, Larry, donation. Thank you. Yes. The network has popped up since 2018. It's incredible. This is also true. For those of you who don't know this, you know, the when, when I first started running in 2017, we had about 15 affiliates across the state. Now we have over 30. It's growing. It is. It is growing. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, Robert says critical race theory is a social theory that's typically part of the sociology curriculum. Yes. It's also taught in law too. that and law. Yes. Social theories are taught to look at different problems, different ways. Who coined the phrase critical race theory in the primary education fight? Fox News. Oh, is that right? Did Fox News do that? I don't know who did it, but either way, it's being it's being used to be forward, you guys. It's being used by the school systems. Like the school systems are saying that it's critical race theory. So if Fox News did it, kudos to Fox News for bringing that one up. Well done. Because the school systems are using it now themselves. So um, I don't know if it being referred to that way previously. I actually don't know, but it makes sense. I get it. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, bro, bro, the mayors of New York City, Miami, and Tampa are competing on taking their paychecks in Bitcoin on Twitter. This is real life. What a time. Yeah, that's true. No, no, you're right. I remember. They're talking about it. So, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. So, yes. Um, New York State currency name, the Yorkie. New Yorkie? The Yorkie. So remind you little dogs. Do you put a little dog on it? It's like Dogecoin? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Michelle says, Jay says hi. Jay, how you doing, Jay? I'm sorry so late. I'm going through all these, uh, I'm going through all of these uh, comments, trying to get as many as I can as they zip by me. So, Jay, how you doing? So, all right. All right. Um, is there a book you would recommend that shaped your worldview? My worldview? Not one book. No, there's so many books that I've gone through. Um, so many of them. Um, many of them affect me in different ways. One of them, you probably can't see. 
can you see it here? No. All right. Over here to this side, this is Otto von Bismarck. Above him, which you cannot see, is Miyamoto Musashi. Here is Sun Tzu. Here is Frederick Douglass. Here is uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. These are uh, many philosophers that I've listened to and thought about in, in the past. These are all prior to my libertarian days, by the way. These are prior to libertarian days. Now, if I put up now, I'd probably put Frederick Bastiat would probably also be up here to add them. But Miyamoto Musashi's book is called, uh, was it made, it wrote a book called The Book of Five Rings. It's a book on sword fighting. I think that really made me think a lot about how to, how my life should work. Um, in that book, it's basically a book about sword fighting and the way of the warrior. And it made me think about how I should act, what I should be doing, focusing and things like that. That book helped tremendously in shaping my worldview. So, but many of them, but I think that's one of them. It's called the book of, do I even have it? I may even have it out here. Hold on. I haven't. Ah, oh, here we go. Yes, I actually happen to have it here. The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. It was a, uh, this person did actually exist. He did exist. And um, he was the greatest sword fighter, sword fighter in Japan. I think 15th century, maybe 16th, one of the two. I'm not sure which one in that area. Um, and he was so good that literally he had to use a stick to fight because he was tired of killing people. So they used a sword, he used a stick. And he would still beat people's asses. He was amazing. He tells about many things in life, how to think about life, how to act. So it was very good for me. Hope that helps. So, all right. Um, all right. Let me keep going here. So many. I, I appreciate this. All right. Um, uh, Giuliani is too tied up to Trump to win New York. Giuliani of 1997 than Trump Giuliani, even though they are physically the same person. You're right. I think they are too much. I think you are. Yes. Uh, Simply Rocco says, I hope you do slaughter them in debate. If they have the guts, though, I doubt they will. I wouldn't. Yes. All right. Sam says, bruh, bit license, rank choice, voting UBI, humane. Bruh. Bit license, rank choice, voting, UBI, humane. Yeah. Let me, let's work on that one. We're going to work on that one. All right. But I get you. You're going with the bra thing. I like bro, but let me see what I do with bra. I get it. It is not bad. It is not bad. Yes. All right. <laughs> That's good. All right. Um, let's see if I can go down here. Um, Mr. Greer says, hey, Larry, good to see you. Thank you. Thomas Greer, the man himself, running for New York State Senate. Please check him out. Yes. Absolutely. Please check him out. It is great. 100%. Great to do that. All righty. Yes. Tom 452. That is Tom. Tom is great. He's one of our great guys running. Please pay attention to him. I appreciate that. Yes. All righty. Um, ooh, Shelly says the Empire coin. It's not bad. It's not bad. Frederick Bossett is awesome. Yes, he's one of my favorite ones. His short book about what government is and should be is the most explained to, is the most explained and to the point I've ever read. Agreed. It's called, by the way, The Law. The name of that book is called The Law. So if you want to check that out, that is something that's great. Yes. So... Guys, I want to say thank you so much for today. Please do me a favor. If you care, like, comment, and share. It does matter. I can't tell you how much it matters. It really does. It gets it gets me where I need to go. It gets me around all the, the shadow banning. If you want to support the show, please go ahead. If you want to support me, you can, please. We got 20, 20K Money Bomb coming on. Head over to that link right there. Click that specific link. If you want to support the show for free, no worries. World's Smallest Political Quiz. Please share it around. It does matter, guys. Thank you so much. I'm going to take off for now. I got more work to do. I will see you all very soon.